Father, we, uh, we do look forward to today. We look forward to what you're going to teach us. I pray, God, that as we do open up your word once again, that, Lord, as John is just, like, pouring out his heart to the fellowship there uh, a couple millenniums ago, God, did I know you have that same heart that's your heart being poured out. And you have that same heart for us that you desire for us to understand who we are, for us to get a hold of and, and get the reality of, of being born again and walking with you and having fellowship with you. So I pray that you would open up our ears to hear, Lord, that, that we would get an understanding today of this thing we call salvation and how great our salvation is. And God, that we would be encouraged and strengthened. And Lord, no matter what's going on in our lives, that Lord, we could look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, and we could cling tightly to our God. So bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, John's been spending some time talking about the the false teachers and the influence they've had and stuff. Now he kind of shifts the whole whole thought away from that so much, and now he's going to begin talking about who we are as children of God. What does that actually mean? In other words, here's what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about salvation. And the thing about John is John is so black and white. It always amazes me when I read his writings compared to even Paul. Paul's pretty black and white, but John, man, he's just like so upfront that sometimes, sometimes you're like, I don't like this guy. I don't like what he's saying about me. So listen, he's gonna listen, he's gonna he's gonna hit us hard about our belief and about if you're born again, then something is supposed to be different about your life. You're not the same. You're not the same individual. So as he's doing that, listen, as he's doing that, the great challenge is for you and I to understand, hey, do I have this relationship? Or am I pretending I have a relationship? Or am I caught up in rituals, religious ceremonies, etc.? Or am I really walking with the Lord? So he's he's gonna hit us hard. Now, One of the things that bugs me the most about believers sometimes is people will say, I'm a Christian, but. And this is gonna sound weird, but we need to get the buts out of Christianity. So, I know, I know, that sounded better in my head even last night. (laughs) But we do, we need to, listen, we need to be people, you're gonna remember that if you don't remember anything else about this. But listen, you don't say, I'm a Christian, And, and here's what a lot of us say. I'm a Christian, but God's not finished with me yet. What does that mean? Think about what you're saying when you're saying that. Here's what you're saying. I'm a Christian, but I'm gonna live how I want right now, and I'm gonna do what I want. That's not Christianity. That's not genuine Christianity that Paul's talking, or that John's talking about. So a little hard hitting today. You might get a little bit upset, but here's the deal. You still have to love me because we're in this family together, and you still have to walk through this. But here's the, it's, it's not aimed at anybody. And most importantly, don't think about somebody else, right? That's one of our favorite things. Oh, I wish so-and-so was here today. No, you're here. This is for you, right? So John has been talking about abiding in him. And now he goes a little bit further in verse 28 of chapter 2. He says, and now, little children, 
Don't you love that? Hey, here's what's interesting. Look how many times he either says little children or beloved. Why is he doing that? Because this is a hard statement. This is a hard teaching, and he wants to make sure that people know he's not angry and mad, that he loves them, right? So he says, and now little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So here's what he's saying. We need to be ready for Jesus' coming. John was saying this a couple thousand years ago. And if John said we need to be ready, then we really need to be ready now, right? I like to say we need to be readier as, as uh, the time is approaching. But here's what he's saying. You don't want to be somebody who shrinks back. You don't want to be somebody who you're upset when Jesus shows up. You want to be somebody that you're looking forward to it. You're anxious about his coming. You're excited about his coming. And so John's challenge is, hey, where are you going to be? And the only way you're going to do that is how? By abiding in him, by having that relationship with him. I think we focus way too much on externals rather than internals. This whole section is about internal, about what happens to a person when they're born again by the Spirit of God. We are cleansed from the inside out, not from the outside in. He talks here about, about hey, if you know that he's righteous, then you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And sometimes we make righteousness a condition of being born again, but righteousness is a consequence of being born again. When you're born again, God makes you righteous. You don't, you don't work at being righteous. You are righteous because of who you are. So John, listen, he's trying to get people to understand. This is who you are in Christ. Let this sink deep inside your heart. And you know what's going to happen? Your life is going to be different. You're going to live differently. You're going to talk differently. You can do everything differently because of who you are. So as he's thinking about, listen, as he says that everyone who is born of him is righteous, then, then listen, in, in verse uh, one of chapter three, he says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Some of your translations might say, behold how great a love the Father has bestowed. Are you kind of getting, listen, he started thinking about being born again and that got him to be, be thinking about, man, this thing that we're born again, that is a phenomenal greatest act of love ever expressed in human history. And we need to understand, listen, as we begin to develop this, just think about this in your own mind. As you begin to meditate on that and begin to dwell on that, here's what happens, man. You get a little bit excited about your salvation. You start understanding, wow, God really does love me. And his love's not just, uh, not just like a, a smidgen. His love is like, right, dumped on us. And he says, how great love. And then I, I, I like the idea that he says that we should be called or, or that, you know, that we should be called children of God. I like the idea that I belong to God. I like to wake up sometimes and just tell myself, you're a child of God. You know, and here's the thing. In my family, I have physical traits. I have character traits that come from my family that are 
part of my DNA. Some good, some bad. Well, shouldn't I have some of those same traits because I'm a child of God? Shouldn't I have some of those same things going on? Shouldn't I be, it be recognizable in me? I mean, people who know my family, they look at me, they go, well, yeah, you belong to those guys, we can tell. We can tell by some of your physical traits. We, you, you, you know, my wife sometimes says, you acting just like your dad. That's not good, but listen, those things happen, but wouldn't it be good if people would say, you're acting like your father, your heavenly father? Man, you resemble him so much. So listen, John's trying to get us to walk in that, right? And then he says, listen, at the end of verse one, he says, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. You know, I think some Christians need to underline that, memorize that, meditate on that, because we get so uptight when the world doesn't recognize our Christianity. Why should they? They're in the world. It always bothers me when people don't understand People in the world are in the world. We gotta get them into Jesus to understand what's going on. Didn't they crucify him? Someone nod their head, one of you, thank you. Then why would we expect anything else? Why would we expect the world to embrace us? But we do, if we're honest, we do. We need a little bit of time. I can't believe they said that about Christians. They don't know, he says they don't understand us, why? Because they're not born again. We're different from the world. We've been made different, and the world does not know us. And then he says, beloved, verse, verse 2, again, that term of endearment, beloved. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, I like to read verse 2 a little bit different. I like to take that that, that uh, uh, conjunction but out of there, and I had to put all that in there because I didn't want to get weird again. But listen, I have to take that out. And let's just read it this way. Listen to it this way. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been yet revealed what we shall be. We know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Do you know that? Do you know that when Jesus comes, you're gonna be changed? Well, I think if we live with that, we understand. Here's what I know. I know this is gonna happen. Then my life's gonna be a little bit different. Hey, right now, listen, right now I have a relationship with him. Right now I know that I'm a child of God and, and yet I'm not sure what's gonna happen when I go to heaven. I have some good ideas, but here's what I do know. I'm gonna be like him. I'm gonna be in his presence. The other night, we, I was with somebody and they were, they were asking me, you know, and, and it's always funny, I don't know why we're so, well, I do know, but we're really curious about heaven, right? Like, what are we gonna know? What are we gonna understand? Who's gonna be there? All the questions we have. And people think like a pastor has great insight into that, like we visit heaven occasionally and come back and tell everybody what's there. I mean, they're saying, well, you know, you're the pastor. What's heaven like? And here's what I say, I don't know. I haven't been there. I know as much as scripture tells me, but scripture doesn't tell us a whole bunch, does it? it tells me there's streets of gold, that's kind of cool thinking, right? We never flip that and think about in heaven, gold's gonna be as valuable as 
asphalt is here, kind of put it that way, and it kind of changes your whole perspective, doesn't it? All of a sudden you're going, oh, that's not so cool. But here's what I know, Jesus is gonna be there, and that's all that matters. And I'm gonna be in his presence, and I'm gonna be walking with him. So John is letting us know, hey, this is the reality. We're called children of God because we are children of God. We don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but we do know, we do know that when we're in his presence, we shall be like him. And then he says in verse three, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Are you kind of getting the idea that John thinks this thing called Christianity should change how we act, how we behave, things we do? Are you kind of getting the idea that maybe there's this idea of holiness, separation, that John is saying this is the reality And I think way too many believers don't really believe who they are in Christ. And we buy into what the world says. So John's saying, stop doing that. I don't think this passage, we're gonna gonna get into things, I don't think this passage is so much trying to define, you know, different sins and what's going on. I think this passage is all about who we are in Christ. And believing that and owning that and accepting that. So he just said, listen, man, if he's pure and we're part of him, then we should be pure. We should be people who are pure. Now, as he's thinking about that, remember there was that whole idea of the Gnosticism that's coming in. It's not full-blown Gnosticism yet, but it's coming in. This whole idea is creeping in that it doesn't really matter how you live as long as you proclaim Jesus. And there's different excuses for that. The Gnostics would say, well, because your spiritual part's clean, but your physical part, who cares if that gets dirty? Then other people say it really doesn't matter. You know, all sins forgiven, doesn't matter how I look. And we come up with all of these weird things and John is saying, throw all of that out and remember who you are in Christ. Remember that you're part of him. Remember you're part of his family. And then he says this in verse four, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. Oh. Again, some of us need to underline that in our Bibles. Because we wanna change the definition of sin. We wanna make it okay. We wanna make it acceptable. As a matter of fact, some of us, if we're honest, we wanna make a peace treaty with sin, right? I I like to say it this way. Some of us have our pet sins. Stay over here. I got him under control. He's my little pet. And then he bites you when you turn around. Listen, we have to understand, sin is sin. This is what John is saying. Sin is sin, and sin is breaking the law of a holy God and offending a holy God. That's what sin is. That's the reality of sin. As an unbeliever, when you sin, you commit sin against the creator. As a child of God, When you sin, you commit sin against your father. Mmm, big difference, isn't it? I know growing up, I never wanted to hurt my dad. I didn't want to do things that would hurt him and 
make him feel bad, even as a teenager when you're rebellious and you kind of think you do. You really don't. You don't want to hurt somebody. I was reading a story about a group of kids were out. They're out partying, doing stuff, and someone wanted to go to some club. And one of the girls said, I'm not gonna go to, I can't go to that club. No, I'm not going. And one of her friends said, why are you afraid your dad's gonna hurt you if you go to that club? And she said, no, I'm afraid I'll hurt my dad if I go to that club. This is John's point here. He says, sin is lawlessness. We need to know that. We need, we need to get that in our hearts. That's going to change. Listen, that's going to change our perception. That's going to change how we live. And then verse 5 says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sin, and in him there is no sin. Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus came to take away sin? I think so many of us have bought into some of the modern theology that we think Jesus came to give us a richer life and a healthier life and and all of those things that we kind of buy into. He was manifested for one reason, to take away sin. And when we understand that, listen, that's why he came and he came to take it out of me. And when I get a hold of that, guess what happens? I sin a lot less. I would like to say I sin no more, but I sin a lot less. And and so John's saying you need to know that. You need to understand that's why he was manifested. He was manifested to take away sin. And then he says in him there is no sin. So verse 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. And whoever sins neither has seen him nor known him. Now verse 6 is complicated. Verse 6 and verse 9, you know, there's parts of my Bible that when I read I think, I don't like the way it says that. And then I read it, and here's what I know. I know he's not saying certain things. Here's what I know John's not saying. I know he's not saying that as a believer, I will never sin. How do I know that? Because in chapter one, he said, anyone who says they don't sin is a liar. So he can't be now reversing that and saying that. So exactly what, you know, what is verse six talking about? And I don't want to spend a lot of time, people like, like get all delved into this and you lose the whole point. I believe what he's talking about is a habitual lifestyle of sinning and greater than that, not recognizing sin as sin. That's what he's talking about. So he's not talking about, he's not talking about the sin that you committed on the way here this morning. He's talking, well, maybe you do it every Sunday and then it's a lifestyle and no, but he's talking, listen, he's saying, he's saying we need to understand something. You can't be born again and be in friendship with sin. Let's put it that way. That's, that's, that's contradicting everything about being born again. You can't do that, why? Because he came to take away sin. And so you're not allowing him to do that in your life. So he says, listen, if you do that, you really haven't seen him, nor do you know him. If you're comfortable sinning against a holy God, then something's wrong. And you need to do some evaluation of your heart. You need to check your life. It's okay. It's okay to do that. My Bible says that I need to examine myself. It's all right to do that. So listen, John, John's a pretty straight shooter, right? He goes, hey, if you're doing that, 
then you haven't seen him and you don't know him. Oh, he goes a little bit further. It gets better and better. Verse 7, little children. Again, I like that term. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Once again, here's that thing. Little children. And here's that whole idea of righteousness. And he says, listen, man, if you're someone who you're, you're practicing righteousness, then you're acting like your father. You're acting like the reality of what you're claiming. You're claiming that you're born again. You're claiming that you're a child of God. You're claiming that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't go around doing some of the stuff that some people who claim they're part of the church do. And he says, check yourself. But if you're practicing righteousness, then you're like him. Again, I, I think we gotta be careful, not self-righteousness, that's gross. Righteousness, living for him, loving him, honoring him, wanting to be in his presence. So listen, there's that challenge. And then he says in verse eight, so hey, if you're doing that and you practice righteousness, he says you're just, you're just as he is righteous in verse eight, he who sins is of the devil. So think about that. Think about which side you're on as you're walking through life. Because here's what he's saying, you're doing life. And life gets hard, doesn't it? Gets messy, gets difficult. Things happen. People make you mad. It's hard to deal with things. So listen, when you're doing that, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oh, as I said, Jesus didn't come to make us healthy and wealthy. That could happen in your life, but that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to destroy the work of the devil in your life. And I believe the only ones who can block that and mess that up are us. We can get in his way and we can start, here's my pet sin. Got him over here. I got him tied to this little mic stand. Stay. Have you ever noticed that he's about as obedient as a cat? <laughs> then they just don't behave. The sin just does not behave, does it? And that's his point. Jesus, I believe if we really understand Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil in my life, I am gonna be set free from so many things. And I am gonna have the freedom to love him and worship him. And he is gonna, listen, I am gonna change radically. But we need to understand that and we need to, well, listen, we really need to buy into that and we need to hang on to that. Now, I do think it's interesting that he does emphasize here in verse eight, son of God. Remember, he's combating that whole false teaching and the Antichrist and those guys who are coming on. So he gets emphatic about some things. Then in verse nine, in verse nine, Here's the heavy hitter. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. There's that implication again. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So here's what he says. If you're born of God, you're not gonna be comfortable in sin. 
You're gonna get convicted. It's not that you're, not gonna, you're never gonna sin. You're gonna be convicted. And what is a bummer is there are whole movements in the church that base everything on verse six and verse nine. And then they say, hey, we quit sinning. And when you start talking to those individuals, here's what they do. They redefine everything. And John's whole point is we need to stop redefining it and understand this is what's going on in our lives and we need to get it out of our lives. We need to be people who are honest and real before God. That's all he's asking us to do. All of us in here this morning, here's what he's saying. Just be real with God. Be honest with him. Open up your heart and be honest. Here's what I know. God knows every detail in my life. And some people say, that's frightening. I think that's kind of comforting. Because if he knows every detail in my life, what is there I can't talk to him about? He already knows. And I can have a conversation with him. When I start telling God things about my life, he doesn't go, seriously, Pat? Like, I had this idea that you were holy. I had no idea you had those, I had no idea you did those things. But he already knows. Here's what he says, I know. And I'm really glad you just figured that out. And now let's deal with that. And let's work on that. And that's what, listen, that's what verse nine is all about, that you and I would understand. If I'm born of God, I am not comfortable with sin. I'm not comfortable doing sin. I'm not comfortable staying in sin. I'm not comfortable redefining sin. And here's the thing, why? Because God's seed is in me. Listen, I have the living God inside of me. Wow. The one who created everything is inside of me. Don't you think I could have victory over that dumb thing? Yeah. Then he's going to wrap up this section with this. I know some of ours have a big separation there, but it's in the wrong place. He wraps up this section here. He says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. I want you to think about something. In the Bible, there's only two races. Those who are in Christ and those who are not. Here's, he divides up the entire world with this. Either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. One or the other. There's no in between. There's no like, I'm in a transition stage. No, you're either one or the other. And, and here's black and white John, right? Here's what he's saying. Man, he's been laying all this out. And he goes, you need to know this. You're either a child of God, you're a child of the devil. One or the other, he goes. So in this, in what he's talking about, your life is manifested. So here it is. Are you ready? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Oh, he came down to some pretty simple terms, huh? Hey, if you're not somebody who you practice righteousness and the only way you're gonna practice righteousness is by being born again because once again, that's a consequence of being born again. When, when people accept the Lord here, oftentimes, you, you guys hear me pray, I pray that they would understand that right now they're wrapped in robes of righteousness. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that all of a sudden I've been made righteous. Righteous. Well, if I've been made righteous, then how am I going to act? 
You're going to act righteously, not self-righteously, righteously. And he says, that's proof that you're a child of God. And then he says, oh, there's that other part. There's a part that we all love. And he says, and if you don't love your brother, you're not a child of God. Wow. Why does he have to put those kind of things in there? I have to love people? Yeah. And check this out. This is the fun part. You have to love unlovable people. Oh, no, not those kind. Like, it's easy to love people that, and it's always funny because we, we, we have this whole thing. Well, I can love people that are normal. What's normal? Right? What is normal? Well, normal are the ones we relate to, right? Normal are the ones that fit our criteria. We, we call them normal because we relate to them. And, and, and others are abnormal who are not in our normality. And they're abnormal. We're going, ah, I don't want to love them so much, but I can love these guys. No, here's what he's saying. We need to love everybody. We need to love our brothers and sisters. And not some mushy, gushy, goofy love, but a biblical love. Hey, John loves people. He's the apostle of love. He just wrote some pretty heavy things, didn't he? Why? Because he loves people. Now, I believe, listen, I believe we need to get an understanding. I, I wrote this down, and this is a quote. I would like to say I came up with this, but then I would have to deal with sinning. <laughs> righteousness without love makes one a religious Pharisee. And love without righteousness makes one a partner of evil. Hmm, that's good to think about. And so, listen, John isn't kind of marrying and, and, and balancing righteousness and love. He's saying righteousness and love are together. They're the same thing. You can't have true biblical righteousness without love, and you can't have true biblical love without righteousness. So, are you a child of God? There's a test, there's a test. Hey, am I a child of God? I can go through this and I can say, hey, do I love people? Well, I love some people, no, some not so much. Well, then I need to change my attitude, right? Now, how can I grow in this? Here's the thing, how can I do this? If I'm truly born again, how do I get my born again on? We could put it that way, right? How do I get, how do I get that on so people see that I'm really born again? I think there's, I think, listen, I believe it's pretty simple. I feed my body. Why do I eat? Well, sometimes I eat because I'm a glutton, but why do I eat? I eat because I like food, but I also have to nourish my body, right? I eat for nourishment. I exercise so that I can get around, so I can be somewhat fit. I would like to say I'm perfectly fit, but that would be a lie. But I do those things, right? You do those things, and we need to understand that. And then I wash my body daily. Why? Because I don't want to stink, right? It's terrible when you stink. It's terrible when people go, <laughs> and you're going, why are you sniffing? I don't know, man, something stinks. <laughs> Didn't stink till you came. <laughs> so we wash our bodies, right? So we kind of get that. Listen, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating it because of this. Shouldn't I feed my inner man? Shouldn't I nourish him just like I nourish my physical body? How do I do that? I read my Bible. I get involved. I, I nourish. That's nourishment for my soul. That, it, that keeps me going. How do I exercise? Well, I exercise by hanging out with Christians, by being with people, 
by sharing my faith, by living Christianity. That's exercise. And then the washing part. How do I wash myself? John's already told us, hasn't he? We confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just like we do the things in the physical, why on earth wouldn't we do the things in the spiritual? I think most of us have heard, there's this old, uh, I almost used the wrong term, Native American saying that goes like this. The, the, the Native American said, I have two dogs inside of me. One's bad and mean, and the other one's good. And the person said, which one wins the fights? The one I feed the most, right? How am I going to be spiritual? Feeding my spiritual man, I will become more spiritual. Exercising my spiritual man, I will become more spiritual cleansing and being real and open and honest with God. I'll be more spiritual. That's all John is saying. Here's what he's saying. There are false teachers, but then the problem is a lot of us have manipulated those false teachings into something acceptable for our, our form of, quote, Christianity, and we're not really walking with God. Let's be honest. Let's be open. So my question today, are you a child of God? Are you a child of the devil? Only you can answer that. Only you know the answer to that. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you just for this challenge, Lord, that we look at this and, Lord, it is, it's, it's hard to walk through. There's some technical difficulties but I believe if we're really honest, that's the minor part. The real part are the convicting difficulties. The things that are said that we know that God, we are people who were even deceive ourselves. We don't even wait for someone else to deceive us into thinking things are okay when they're really not. So I pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters, I pray for myself, I pray that we would hear what John says, and just as your word says, hear what the Spirit says and, and, and live it and get it deep inside. What I'm praying, God, is that you will do the work that only you can do. Change us, mold us and shape us. Thank you that you love us enough as our heavenly Father to challenge us. That you care about us enough to bring us to that place where we need to look at our lives. Thank you, God. But greater than that, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who will change and, and work in us to make us the men and women of God that you desire for us to be. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more moments. And if you are here today and what I said kind of hit home for some of us, and maybe you've been pretending, maybe you've been coming to this church for 15 years and, and you know it's all just pretense. You know that there's not a real, genuine, born-again experience. 
If I'm talking to you, then be honest with God. You don't have to be honest with me, but be honest with God. Let him know that you know you're not saved. You're not born again. And then ask him to work in your life, to work in your heart. We've already read Jesus came to destroy sin, to destroy the work of Satan. That's why he came. He died on the cross so you could have freedom and victory over sin. So if you want that as part of your life, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say it out loud, you can say it silently. Hey, if you're backslidden, then come home, man. Come back, come back to Jesus. If you're visiting today, you picked a good day to come. Call on the name of the Lord. And again, if you've been here for a long time and God hit your heart today, be honest with him, be real with him. Be genuine with him. If you're watching online, you can say this prayer right in your home. You don't have to be in this building. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And today I realize I need forgiveness. So right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Today I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.